one of those days. Anyway, good morning, everybody. <laughs> For those of the, you who don't know me, I'm Caroline, and I'm part of the team here, and it's my joy to be speaking this morning. And this morning, we kick off with our teaching series this week, this term even. We're going to be looking at this book. It's called The Promise of Blessing. It's written by Kate Patterson, and I don't know if any of you were at Streams in the Desert in July, but she was the guest speaker. Um, I was there. She was brilliant. But anyway, I read the book at the beginning of this year, and um, I thought it would be a really good book to do, to look at together. And um, we'll be looking at one chapter every week, um, which basically takes a line of the, um, the verse. So uh, it's based on um, what they call the Aaronic blessing or the priestly blessing that's found in the book of Numbers. So right at the beginning of the Old Testament in the um, Torah. So this is the books of the law that um, were written when the Israelites were in the wilderness. And in amongst all the lists of do's and don'ts and how we should behave, there's this little nugget called the priestly blessing. And it goes like this. So the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So it's a, it's a blessing that is given directly from God for his people and in her book Kate calls it the shining blessing so it it might be referred to as the ironic blessing or the priestly blessing or the shining blessing um, so I always remember the first time I remember coming across this verse personally was when I was confirmed at the age of 13 and my godmother had written it in a card she'd given me and it I don't really I didn't really think much more about it but it obviously went in because I can still remember that she wrote it in the card that's quite a long time ago now when I was confirmed. So how often do we hear or use the words bless you in our daily lives without really thinking about what we're saying? I used to live in Twickenham. I don't know if you know that. I may have mentioned it one or two times before. But um, where I lived was really quite close to the rugby ground. And so three roads away from where I lived was the A316, which joins the M3 to central London. So it's a very busy road. Three roads in the other direction of my house was the main train line from the west of England through to London. And uh, Twickenham offered eight trains an hour into London. And also, uh, we lived not that far from Heathrow Airport, and we could watch the planes coming in or taking off every 90 seconds. So it was not a quiet place. So um, I lived there for 10 years, and I, I didn't realise how um, noisy it was until we moved up here to Leamington, and we moved into a flat opposite Jefferson Gardens, and the silence was deafening. There was no noise, and it was like, this is a really quiet place. Um, but it's amazing how, as we get used to something, we become desensitized to it. So um, you just don't notice it anymore. So it's quite often if someone sneezes and we say, oh, bless you. What are we actually saying? You know, we want to wish people well. Um, just randomly, though, last weekend, I did see a spitfire go across my back garden in the air, obviously. And it was very noisy. Um, but, you know, when you're not used to it, you hear it again. 
Anyway, so the point, what is a blessing? I looked it up in the dictionary, as I always do, and it gave a list of things. So I'm going to read them to you now, but we're just going to be concentrating on one of them. So it said, the, a blessing is the act or words of a person who blesses. It's a special favor, mercy or benefit. It's a favor or gift bestowed by God. It's the invoking of God's uh, favor upon a person. It's praise, devotion, worship, especially grace, said before a meal. Or it's approval or good wishes. Um, so actually, out of that list of six things, we're going to be concentrating on the favor or um, gift bestowed by God. The word blessing occurs over 600 times in the Old Testament. So it just shows that God's intention and desire to bless humanity is a central focus of his covenant relationships. So in the beginning, God had a plan. He created us out of his love so that we could love him back. So when he created Adam and Eve, he declared them very good. In Genesis in 1.28, it says the Lord blessed them. The first thing he does after he created uh, them, they, he blessed them. So blessing in biblical times was considered a public declaration of a favoured status with God. The blessing endowed power and prosperity for success. Indeed, in verse 29, God tells Ab uh, Adam and Eve to go ahead and be fruitful and increase in number to fill the earth and subdue it. Humans were given dominion over the earth and all its resources. And all was well for a little while. Adam and Eve lived in the blessing of God in the Garden of Eden. But then the fall happened. We were then separated from God with a curse and life became a disaster. It's such a tragedy to be cut off from God. But God still cared for them and still provided for them despite the separation. And the rest of the whole Bible tells the story of salvation, of how Jesus, um, through Jesus, sorry, God brings us back uh, to a life of blessing through salvation. So after Adam and Eve, he calls Noah and he blesses him and he saves him and his family from the flood. And then if we go a bit further forward, we find Abraham and we meet a man who is described in the New Testament as righteous. So God makes a seemingly incredible promise to Abraham. He is a childless man uh, and the Lord promises to make him a great nation. I will bless you, he says. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Can you imagine how Abraham must have felt hearing those words when at that time he had no children of his own? Our God is an abundant God who loves to bless us. Going back to the Israelites, so they've been in the desert for about a year, during which time they had moaned and grumbled their way around, and they'd failed on many occasions to trust God, despite the fact that God had miraculously led them out of uh, Egypt into freedom. Uh, they forgot the way that the Lord had fed them and uh, had provided water for them and was leading them through the wilderness by his very presence. Instead, to, uh, they decided to get Aaron, who is Moses' brother, to make an idol out of gold. So they made the golden calf. And the Lord was a bit miffed at this and he said no more. That was it, job done. But Moses pleaded with him 
and God relented and came back into relationship with them. So at this time, they then they set this uh, list of instructions up. So Moses went up to the mountain and God gave him this whole list of instructions, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. And so when during that time, um, so they're given this list of instructions of how to live a holy life. God still loves them enough to bless them, to give his favor to them. And further still, he even instructs Aaron, who is the builder of the idol, to be the one to bestow the blessing on the faithless Israelites. Aaron becomes the high priest for the Israelites. There's no higher honor than that. He is blessed despite his slightly dodgy behavior. This gives us all hope, I have to say. He is a generous God. If you look closely enough, you'll see that the blessing is God's grand plan for us. His intent is clearly revealed through Jesus. Through Jesus, we become heirs to the promise of Abraham. Even Jesus' last day on earth was with, ended with blessing when he was blessing his disciples as he was taken up to heaven. Our Christian journey is our walk towards the fulfillment of God's great promise of blessing over our lives. So why then can it feel so hard to live a blessed life? Kate likens it in her book to feeling like a slug crawling on sandpaper. Have we ever had that kind of day? I think it's very apt sometimes. <laughs> From life's little annoyances, even to when things look better, there are situations around us that are huge challenges, especially when they affect people that we really love. So about 10 days ago, um, I received a prayer text from a friend. We're, we're part of a group, and we just randomly say, can you pray for this, can you pray for that? It's a really lovely group. And she sent a prayer text to say that a 16-year-old boy in her church had been knocked off his bike and was in a critical condition, and could we pray? Throughout the day, more updates came through, and we all prayed in earnest. And eventually, the one that nobody wanted to read came through. This boy had died from his injuries because they were so catastrophic. It made my heart sink and I actually wept because I don't know this boy. I don't know which, I actually don't know which church it is, but I have a 14-year-old boy who goes to school every day on his bike and the thought that actually that happened to another family just made me cry. I do know that the Sunday following his accident, his whole year group from his sixth form turned up at the church. And I know that his family were completely overwhelmed by the love and support that they were shown. I don't know how the Lord will eventually use that situation, but I know that nothing is wasted. And my heart really goes out to his family. They've got such a hard time ahead. It made me really think, where's the life of blessing there? In an ever-increasingly and erratic world, it can be hard to find it. There are constant stories of devastation, of terrorist attacks, war, refugees fighting for their human rights, natural disasters, um, bad medical diagnosis, human trafficking. The list is endless of things that affect our lives. And over the next few weeks, as we study more chapters of this book, we'll consider that why uh, it is that our world is so broken and how God's blessing can still prevail. He wants to reassure us that blessing is his purpose for our lives. He calls us to choose him, to choose life, and therefore choose blessing. But what do we think about blessing? 
how do we see God? Does that affect our view of how he blesses? So I was thinking about this. And when I was little, probably about this size, I used to think that God looked like my vicar. And my vicar was called the Reverend Chris Valens. I still remember his name. I was very young. I must have been about four. And so um, it stood to reason in my head that we went to church on Sundays. There was a man dressed in white robes doing the God stuff. So obviously God looked like him. Made perfect sense in my head. But obviously, as I grew up, eventually my opinion changed. And I started to see more of God's personality. But even now, I can have a tendency to see God as ever-present, but not really engaging with me. Even though that through the Bible, I know that not to be true. I think our experiences in life can really shape how we see God. If we need proof that God wishes to bless us, then we only need to look at the cross. As the book puts it, it is an outrageous measure of our uncertainty. Jesus took on all the suffering when he went to the cross. Our God meets suffering head on. I do not believe that God ever wishes his children to suffer. I don't believe it's ever in his plan. Uh, as a parent myself, I would never want my child to suffer for any reason. And if God loves us more than we can love our children, then why would he wish suffering upon us? I think, I believe, we live in a fallen world. I know that we live in a fallen world. And I know that we have an enemy who is very real, who seeks to steal and kill and destroy what he can. Fortunately, we have Jesus. We have the victory. Yes, go. Um, but we can take a, a, a view of God as an authoritarian figure as well, someone who's disappointed in us. I don't know if that's our experience. I think we tend to perhaps look at how uh, our fathers were with us and maybe transpose that onto how God is with us, and th that will shape how we see it too. Perhaps we think that God is slow to bless and swift to be angry. But in the Psalms, it says very clearly that God is slow to anger and swift to bless. It's the other way around. Do we want to believe that God wants to bless us? Oh, no, sorry, do we believe that God wants to bless us? I think really as Christians, we should believe that God wants to bless us. It's um, If we don't believe that God wants to bless us, it would be like we were um, extremely rich, but not realizing the resources we had around us and then living in a in a horrible hovel. It's not living to the potential that we have. We need to get our thinking right so that we can trust God. And it will shape, you know, if we get our thinking right, it will then shape our, our, our view of him and it will shape our outlook. So how would it change our lives if we truly believe that God wants to bless us? In 1 John 3, verse 1, it says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. So God loves us and he wants to bless us every single day. When we walk in step with him, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We read that in Matthew. That's talking about our kind of inner being, being in step with him. That makes it easier. But I think it's probably fair to say that God is more concerned with our holiness than our comfort. So a life of blessing doesn't mean it's going to be easy. 
but maybe ask God each day to help us help you help me we should ask him to walk in uh, help us walk in step with him ask him to show us his blessing see what happens so last week as you know I said from the front that I was uh, struck down with a tummy bug I really wasn't very well Andy was away he was doing some work and um, it was Tuesday morning I hadn't slept all Monday night I don't even remember but it was really windy at the beginning of last week and I really hate the wind I don't like it because it makes all sorts of noises and obviously Andy wasn't there so it was worse and uh, I woke up having really not slept at all and then I started to feel really ill and I started to I managed to get the children sorted got someone to take Joe to school and um, I then you know when I'm ill I'm miserable and I feel sorry for myself and I mope about and I was just lying in bed feeling sorry for myself and my phone went and out of the blue I received a text from a friend who just said this morning I felt led to pray for you wasn't going to but I um, wasn't my plan but I prayed for you and this is the word that God gave me for you and it said my grace is sufficient for you uh, my power is made perfect in weakness. And that couldn't have been a more aptly timed text. And actually, in the midst of the grimness, I felt blessed that God had seen me and prompted someone who lives thousands of miles away to text me to say, I've got this, you know. So can I just encourage you, ladies, that if you ever have a word for somebody or a thought about somebody, text them, tell them, phone them, because you just don't know how it might change their day. Um, you know, the worst that can happen is that it, it doesn't do anything, but actually it just lets that person know that you're thinking of them, and that in itself can be a blessing. So do, uh, if you have that kind of word or thought about someone, do let them know. So back to our shining blessing. Is it really for us? We don't have to do anything at all to persuade God to bless us. He chooses to do it. He wants to bless us. In Hebrew, I'm reliably informed, there are two words for you, the word you, depending on the context it's written in. One means you as a collective group, and the other means you as a singular. So the shining blessing is written in the singular. This means it's personally for you from God. So um, in there's, uh, I don't know uh, if you know, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, um, he had a bit of a checkered history. He wasn't a particularly nice man who got caught up in slave trade and all sorts. And um, he wrote, having met with God, he wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. And normally in this church, we sing just four verses of it. There are seven in total. And one of the verses that we don't sing actually has a line in it that says, the Lord has promised good to me. My word, he his, uh, his word, sorry, my hope secures. So John Newton knew that even though he had, had done bad things in his life, that the Lord will still bless him. And the same is true for us. God will still bless us. We're human um, and we're going to make mistakes. But the fact is that our inadequacies don't change the outcome. Jesus still died for us. Jesus still um, has the victory. So even though we make mistakes, that doesn't change God's um, viewpoint of us. And so we can trust God's word to be truth. So the word brings life and it edifies us and it builds us up. So the question is, really, are we going to hold on to that and allow it to be true in our lives?
things to think about. We're going to take a couple of minutes to have a think about that. Um, then we're going to go into our groups. So you might need to grab a chair. Um, these ones are easier to move, so feel free to move green chairs. And uh, Ruth's got some questions for us. And actually what I did, um, I have some little postcards of the verse so that you can take them and reflect on them over this term if you want to. So let's just hold a moment or two of quiet. 